Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Lord, we open our hearts to you this morning and we trust you because you reign. You reign. Open our hearts to receive your word. We open our hearts to receive your word. We open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Question for you. Uh, Who made New Year's resolutions? Oh, you're the smartest people I know. It's good. New Year's resolutions. That's a... It's an interesting word. I love how Mel was reflecting on what God had done in her life. You know, we make resolutions every year and uh, we do that with the best intentions. Last year, I made a resolution to lose 20 kilos and I did. Yeah, it was wonderful. The problem was it was the same kilo every time. Lost it and come back, lost it and come back. It's kind of like just at the same level. We make resolutions. And I think it's, it's important that we go beyond the resolution. Amen? Beyond that, that thing that we make that is quickly lost. For the month of January, we're going to have a series called Reset. And I think we need to reset before we can get to that resolution. And so, this week I'm talking about reset as general. Next week I'm going to be speaking about reset as in prayer. And we need to reset. And then we're going to move into a week of prayer and fasting. Just seven nights. Now, can I encourage you that you at least come to every one of them? Okay? Make the effort. We have not because... We ask not, and we're going to ask according to the will of God, and I believe that God wants to move in our lives. So there will be prayer, there will be worship. I'm believing for the prophetic word, and I'm believing for the impartation of the Holy Spirit as we begin to do that. And I encourage you, come every night. This morning, I want to share with you from the book of uh, 2 Kings, from the Old Testament, about an amazing king, and this is what the Scripture says about him. There has never been a king like him before, and there's never been a king like him since. What a great testimony. I mean, imagine that. If, just say, you were a pastor, and your testimony was there's never been a pastor like him or her, and there's never been one like him or her since. Or a nurse. There's never been a nurse like her or him since. Never been one before. Brilliant. We need to have a great testimony for God. And this great king, his name was Josiah. Josiah was a great king. Covered in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Kings chapter 22, and it goes all the way 
to 23 verse 30. So it's a picture of this great king, just in a couple of chapters. And it would be, you know, it takes some time to read through all of that. And so I want to pull out different parts of the process that Josiah went through in regarding a change that he made, a reset that he wanted to bring into the kingdom of Judah. Reset simply means this, to set again, to adjust, to fix. To set again, to adjust, to fix. Is there anything in your life that you need to reset, to adjust, to set again, to fix? Can I get a good amen? Yeah, there's plenty of things. I think we need to reset before we can push through to what God wants us to do. And the things were out of order in Judah. Things weren't going great. The kings before Josiah were evil and the kings after Josiah were evil. In fact, Josiah's granddad, his name was Manasseh, and he was a really bad king. He was an evil king. And something happened to Josiah. Josiah became king when he was only eight years old. Old. Is there any eight-year-olds in the church this morning? Is any, anybody eight? Who's eight? Are you eight? Come up here for a minute. All right. So, young lady, what's your name? Your name is Maddie. Welcome, Queen Maddie. Do you know that there was someone who was put in charge of a great kingdom that was only eight years old. Well, there is. His name was Josiah. And you know what? I'm believing that you are going to be in charge of your household because it needs it. <laughs> so, Maddie, if you were in charge of, say, Australia, what would be one thing that you would do? What would be the first thing that you would do? No prompting from the gallery. What would, you, what would be the first thing you'd like to do? You don't know. Would you like to go to McDonald's? No, okay. Where would you like to go? Where? Where? Oh, the movies! <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming this morning and we will make sure that you get to go to the movies, all right? Bye. An eight-year-old wants to go to the movies. Imagine Maddie being our queen and her first act is everyone goes to the movies. She can be queen forever. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> Josiah becomes king at eight. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? But 18 years later, when he's 26 years old, something happens in his heart. Something changes. He has to adjust something in the kingdom. He has to reset something in the kingdom. He has to think to himself, something is not going right and I don't like it. So he resets. He's 26 years old and he sees his kingdom that is before him, that is separated from God. And he looks at the temple and in the temple, he sees idols. 
He sees idols to Baal, and he sees idols to, uh, what was that other god? Asherah. He sees these. Now, Baal, he was the god of wealth. He was the god of, uh, of uh, harvest. And they would come and offer to him worship. And Asherah was the god of fertility. So if we were to modernize those two things, back then it was all about money and it was all about sex. Hasn't the world changed greatly since then? Nothing's changed. And Josiah sees this in the kingdom and he thinks, this is not right. And he's a good king. Something is beating in his heart where he says, things need to change. And I believe for us, things need to change in the temple. You see, the temple was the place of worship. The temple was where the presence of God was. The temple was the place of worship. The temple was the presence of God. You know, the scripture tells us that we are the temple of God. We are the ones who are to worship in spirit and in truth. We are the ones who carry the presence of God. And I believe that the beginning of this year, we need to reset, we need to adjust, we need to change, we need to say to ourselves, what is in the temple that shouldn't be in the temple? There were idols in the temple, and it wasn't right. So what does Josiah do? He determines to restore the temple. That's the first step that he takes. He is determined to restore the temple. And as they're restoring the temple, he says to them, go and repair it. Give the money to those who can repair it and go and do it. He starts to restore the temple. But an amazing thing happens when they start to restore the temple. A priest finds the Word of God. He finds the law. Now, if we look right throughout the Old Testament, we can see that a king actually had his own personal copy of the law. And there was a copy inside the temple. But Josiah never had a copy because his father never had a copy. And his grandfather probably burnt the copy. And as he starts the story of beginning to reset, he, restarts, he starts to restore the temple. And as they do that, they find the word of God. Where was it? Where was it put? Here's the picture. If you can imagine a temple that was broken down. Maybe there was holes in the wall. Maybe the ceiling was kind of like just creaking away. And as they're starting to restore, they find the Word of God. Can I ask you a question this morning? Where is the Word of God in your life? Where is it? Are you kind of like putting it to the back or are you keeping it at the front? 
It didn't take long before things turned into ruins. And God wants us to begin the, the, the reset of our life by restoring the temple of God and by putting His Word in our heart that we might not, what? Sin against Him. That's what the Word of God does. It's the plumb line for our life. And I've noticed over the years of being a pastor for the last 30-odd years is that sin usually comes straight along when the Word is pushed to the side. And it was hidden. Imagine that. The living Word of God that's able to build you up and give you an inheritance. The Word that never dies. You know, heaven and earth are going to disappear, but the Word of God will never disappear. You know what happens to us when we stop reading the Word? Worship stops. Worship goes to the back. But if we keep reading, it puts us in a place of realizing who we are and who God is. And when we get a revelation of who He is and who we are, it simply makes it so much easier to worship. And the presence of God comes because I'm placing Him in the right place. I'm putting Him first. Now we can say, well, we don't have idols. We don't bow down to graven images. An idol is anything that gives you satisfaction instead of turning to God. What's the idol? Man, I, when I was going through this, I was thinking, oh God, that's an idol. That's an idol. That's an idol. Because I turned to that instead of turning to you. Can I ask you this question? What from the past it's still affecting you regarding your temple? What from the past is still getting at you? Is it hurt? Is it anger? Is it disappointment? Is it disbelief? Why would you carry something into the new year, the new month, or the new day that's affecting you? Let's talk for a moment about unforgiveness. Because that's a pretty good topic. Who likes unforgiveness? Oh, no one. No. None of us likes unforgiveness. But my question for you to begin the year is do you need to forgive someone? Don't take it into this year. Don't hang on to it. While you remain unforgiving and allowing that thing to occupy that space in your mind and your heart, you'll never be free. You'll never be free. It just holds you there. Guess who has the power in unforgiveness? The enemy. And unforgiveness is a distraction for where God wants to take you. He wants you to be free. Now, it doesn't matter whether they deserve or don't deserve to be forgiven. What matters is that you forgive. Because you deserve to be free. You deserve to be whole. You know, when Jesus was on the cross and he had been whipped and had been beaten, he had been 
nailed to the cross and blood's running down and he's exhausted, one of the great last statements that Jesus says is this, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And as I was meditating on this, this question popped into my mind. Why would Jesus say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing? And the answer came. Because Jesus had already forgiven them. And he's saying, Father, forgive them because I've forgiven them. And if he can forgive them for what they've done to him, then you can forgive what's taken place to you. Listen to this, Philippians 3, verse 13 to 14. Paul's speaking. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved everything that I wanted to achieve, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past. Forget the past. Forget the past, those hurts, that pain. Paul says, forget what is behind. Don't allow those things to pull you back and hold you down and bring that hurt. The word forgetting in the Greek is this. We'll put it up on the screen. Epilanthanomenios. Now you say that five times fast if you can. And it doesn't mean to obliterate from your mind because you will never be able to obliterate completely the things that you've experienced. That's the truth. I can remember the first time I got hurt as a child. I can remember the first time I got hurt in church. Anyone ever got hurt in church? Yeah, you all better put your hands up because I'm going to hurt you if you haven't, just to give you the experience. We've all been hurt in church. You ever been hurt at work? Ever been driving down the road and someone screams at you and waves at you? We've all been hurt. It doesn't mean to obliterate those things because you, you're always going to have them. But this is what it does mean. It means not to recall from the past and bring into the present in such a way a past action is made potentially present. I'll say that again because this is so good. You should write this down on the back of the neck of someone in front of you. When he says forgetting, he says this, not to recall from the past and bring it into the present in such a way a past action is made potentially present. Forgetting what behind means that we just, we don't bring those things. We make a choice to put them behind us. Yes, there is pain, which you've experienced, and I'm not arguing with you. Yes, there may be lost, and I'm not arguing with you. Yes, there may be confusion. Why, God, did that happen? What I'm telling you is this. When you do not choose to forget, you will bring that thing from the past into the present, and it will be like it happened 10 seconds ago. And I'm sure we've all experienced that. The anger and the hurt, the pain, being put down, belittled, made fun of, shamed, embarrassed. I remember that time. And I can bring it right into the future. And all that emotion within me rises up. The devil 
wants you in a holding pattern of pain. He wants to kill you. He wants to steal from you. He wants to destroy you. And he loves it. He, he wants you to keep going back there and bring it right back into the, the present now. And he wants you to dwell on that baby and hold you there so that you're not free. You've got to let this puppy go. You've got to push that boat out. Whatever, whatever it connects with you, let it go. Just don't dwell on it. As soon as it comes, like a flash, just say, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. Forgiven, it's under the blood. It's no, it's no longer my problem. Because the devil, he's an accuser. Oh, do you remember that time? Oh, yeah. You know, this is what he does. He will bring something to you. He will make you feel bad about it. And then he'll accuse you for feeling bad about it. Because he doesn't want you to be free. God wants you to move forward to be free. You are polluting your own temple, folks. Think about that. You're polluting your own body. You're polluting your own mind. You're polluting your own soul. All your emotions, your thinking is being polluted. You need to arrest that and kill it and say, it's under the blood. That's what we've got to do. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because I have. It's not a problem. You know what, Josiah? What a great example. Josiah said this, I am resetting by restoring my heart. That's what he said. Let's restore the temple. Folks, I want your, you to restore your heart. Restore it. Make that choice. Don't go back into the past. And the big question is, is how? How do we restore it? You are not going to like this. I don't even know if you can handle this. But here's the truth. When you begin the process of restoration, do you know what you have to do? You have to repent. You have to repent. This is what Josiah did in 2 Kings 22, verse 19 to 20. When he began the restoration work, when they discovered the word, this is what it says. This is what the Lord said. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard of what I said against the city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this city. Go back to that previous slide, please, Mill. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And indeed, I have heard you. Do you know God hears our repentance? He just, he sees it when we repent, when we're saying sorry. But hey, 
I'm the one that's been hurt. You need to repent because of the things that you feel, the things that you've said, the things that you've thought. So God, I'm sorry. I am sorry. You've got to reset your life. The process of restoring your heart, it begins by repentance. Repentance is something that we do, not just something we say and think. It's something that we do. Repentance isn't passive. It's an act of the will. Repentance means to turn around and go the other way. A few years ago, I was driving along. Have you ever seen those signs? You might be like, say, if you're going down, say, Corro Drive, and you're coming into the city, and you can see the traffic coming this way, and, you know, and sometimes you can see signs that says, wrong way, go back. And I would see those signs, and I would think, what type of idiot would drive down the wrong side of the road and see a sign and go, wrong way, go back? Has anyone ever gone down the wrong road the wrong way? Quite a few years ago, we were in the States with the family. So I'm in the front, Pavey's in the front, Alex is in the back, Jackie's in the back. This is before they were married. And they drive on the wrong side of the road. Did you know that? The wrong side of the road. And I was at the lights, but, but I thought to myself, whenever I'm turning a corner, as long as I'm behind someone, I will follow them. But this time, there was no one in front of us, and I was the one at front, and the lights turned. And do you know what I did? I turned into the wrong way. And as I turned, Alex screams at me, Jackie's screaming, Pavey's praying, she's the smartest one of us all, and the cars are coming towards us. And that sign flashed in my mind, wrong way, go back. So as they're screaming and praying, and, you know, you know repenting of their sin, basically, I managed to turn quickly into the left and stop. And I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? So you need a bit of excitement. We're in the States. Wrong way, go back. When you repent, it's like you get the sign that says, wrong way, go back. Don't go forward. God gives us signs. I think when we're going down the wrong way, the first sign that he gives us is turn left. And then turn left again. He gives us signs. He knows what we have to do. We need to repent. God, I'm sorry for my unforgiveness. I'm sorry. See, it's, it's not about the event. It's what the event does to us. I am praying that your life is bigger on the inside than the life on the outside. Because the life on the outside will affect your life on the inside. And if there is a, an unbalanced where your life is more determined by the outside of things rather than the inside of things, you're going to be in turmoil in your life. Absolutely. But if you can build into your heart and your spirit and make that stronger than the things that are on the outside, you will walk and not faint. You will keep going. 
And repentance is so that we put things right for ourselves to come into a relationship with God. And that's exactly what Josiah had done when he began the restoration. I am resetting by restoring my heart through repentance. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm resetting my heart because out of my heart comes what? The issues of life. Comes the words that I say. Comes, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You have to begin the reset by getting the heart restored and that comes through repentance. God, I'm sorry. But many people think that repentance is the end of the deal. That's it. I've repented. I'm good with God. Brothers and sisters, it's not. I don't want to shock you, but it's not. It's just the beginning. You see, what Josiah did then is this. And we, he renewed his pledge of obedience to the Lord. He began the, the process of restoration in the temple. I begin the restoration by my heart. He then repents, but then he makes a renewal. He renewed his pledge to obey the Lord. Listen to what it says, 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 3. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, all his laws, all his degrees, with all his heart and soul. He made a pledge. He says, I'm going forward. I'm putting those things behind me. He'd already repented. And you know where he repented? Look where it says, the king took his place of authority beside the pillar. This was a public place in the temple where he stood and he says, from now on, I pledge to obey all the commands of the Lord, all his decrees, all his precepts, whatever is required of me, I am going to do it. Because that follows repentance. A recommitment to obey the Lord and move forward. And he did it publicly. Now here's the thing. You need to do it publicly. You need to take a stand publicly and say, I'm going forward. I am not going back. I am going to obey his laws. He didn't do it in his bedroom under the blanket with the door closed when everyone was out. He did it publicly. Now, can I say this? That when you've come to the place of repentance, you don't have to tell people what you're repenting of. You only have to tell God what you're repenting of. In fact, I would encourage you not to tell people what you've done because you could probably freak them out. If I told you all the things that I need to repenting of, I probably wouldn't be the pastor of this church anymore. You would throw me out by the scruff of the neck. But you know what I need you to do? After I've repented and I say, I'm going to live by the commands of the Lord, I need you to say to me, come on. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. Don't focus on my sin. Focus on what I'm not supposed to do. Focus on what I'm supposed to do. You know, sometimes I do things. You know, it's crazy in our house. You know, like, I'm a pastor. Pavey's a pastor. Alex's a pastor. And when Jackie visits, she's a pastor. Do you know what it's like having pastors in your house? 
So whenever I do something wrong, you know what my beautiful wife says to me? Shouldn't have done that. And I just look at her and I go, I'm going to say this publicly. I'm going to say it once. So enjoy it. You're right. You're right. I shouldn't do it. She doesn't give me my sin because I know what my sin is. Well, you did this wrong and this wrong and that wrong. She's never like that. She just says, you shouldn't do that. And then the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon me because she's called on the Holy Spirit to move in the house. And I say, sorry, Lord, and sorry, baby. That's all you need to do. And then you move to obey his commands, his laws, and his decrees. I tell you what, because it's the beginning of the new year, why don't we dumb it down to two things that we do this year? Make this the total focus of 2022. Two things. Just two things. Would you, can you agree with me to do two things this year? Can you put your hand up if you're going to agree with me to do two things? It, come on, don't be able, just two things. I just want you to do two things. Just two things. Oh, what two things? Ah, that's the mystery. I'm not going to do it unless I know what I'm supposed to be doing. That's not the point. Two things. And they're not burdensome to you. The first one is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Who's in agreement with that? Put your hand up now. What do you think the second one is? No, no, I'm changing that one. I'm, no, no, it, 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 it is to love your neighbor with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's it. Jesus didn't complicate life. We complicate life. We make it too hard. The motivation should be love. Just those two things. Obeying his commands. That's, that's all. It just comes down to those two things. Repentance changes the, the direction, but renewal and accept, and the act of repentance is renewed by people who obey the Lord. I am resetting by restoring my heart through repentance and renewing my pledge to obey the Lord. Someone say, Amen. Amen. Just those two things. Don't get caught up in anything else. Just those two things. So what did Josiah do now? So he's resetting. Oh, I want to restore the temple. I want to restore my heart. What was the second thing that he did? He He repented. So he repented. Number two, he repented. Number three, what did he say he would do? Obey his commands. Number four, here we go. And I found this really interesting because you have to follow this in Scripture. It says he removed the idols from the temple. 23 verse 4. First he makes the decision to rest, restore. Then he repents. Then he obeys the commands, and out of that command, he then realizes, because the idols were still there. They're still there. And he makes a decision to get rid of the junk out of his life. 
He decides the temple will no longer be polluted by this stuff. I'm resetting by restoring my heart through repentance, renewing my pledge to obey and removing the idols in my life. Remove the idols. An idol is anything that you turn to to get comfort from, to make you feel good. And there are so many idols in the 21st century, it is unbelievable. And the thing is, the question you need to ask yourself is, what is my idol? And you kill that sucker as fast as you can. Remove it. Do you know, you know what he, he did? He went, Josiah went through the land and he destroyed idols. The psychics, he got rid of. They never saw that coming. If they're psychics, why didn't they see that coming? Killed them all, burned their bones, scattered their ashes. We have to remove the idols. The last thing that he did, verse 21 to 23, he restored that which was lost. He restored that which was lost. And you know what was lost? It was that which was so important to them. You must celebrate the Passover to the Lord. Because your Lord, the Lord your God has required you to do this in the covenant. You need to restore the practices that bring you back to God. That fortify your heart. What are the things that keep you restored in that relationship with God? What is it? I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you just a couple that are important for me. This is me. So I'm going to give you a guilt-free morning this morning. The things that I know that I need to restore in my life daily is reading the Word of God. That's just for me. Don't know about you, but that's just for me. Read the Word daily. The other thing that I need to do daily is pray daily. Praying for each other, lifting each other up. Those people who have requested prayer this morning, during the week, if they come to your heart and mind, what do you think you need to do? Pray for them. It doesn't get any harder than that. What's another thing that I need to do? It's simple. Share my faith. I need to share my faith. I need to be a witness. And that doesn't mean I have to stand on a little box and scream at people. It just means to tell them my story, how my life has changed. And if my life has changed, and it's better than what it was before, and let me tell you, being a, uh, a drug-taking punk rocker, it's much, much better. You know, I used to have an earring and a nose ring and a chain. How pretty must I have looked back then? How, how changed? Oh, well, God does miracles every day, doesn't he? But folks, that's, 
That's what it's about. Restoring the things that you know that you need to do. Maybe it's just dwelling on the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God. What do you need to do that brings you closer into the presence of God? I'm resetting by restoring my heart through repentance and obeying His commands. That's what I'm doing. You're taking the time to do these things. I'm removing idols out of my life and I'm restoring what needs to be done. I'm doing what is required. That's what you need to do. You, if you want to make great resolutions, absolutely. But can I ask you this? Can you first just reset? Reset your heart right towards God. If you need to forgive someone, forgive them. Don't let the enemy hold you in a pattern. Don't let him do it. Would the musicians and singers come this morning? I'm just telling you how it is. I don't know if you, you like it or not, but that's the deal. That God wants you to be free. The devil wants to hold you in a pattern of confusion. There's one thing the devil and I agree on. Just one thing. Nothing more. And that's this. I hate him and he hates me. Simple. I have no time for him. No time for him. Done with. Don't let him hold you. Don't let the things of your heart, don't pollute your temple. Please stop. God wants you to be free. You think about the scriptures. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. You know, that's been the cry right throughout the ages, really. Freedom. Freedom. To be free, not to be held by anything. Jesus wants you to be more free than you can possibly imagine. He wants you to be able to put your head in the pillow at night and be free and sleep with sweet sleep. What do you need to be free from? Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.